back to another episode of Husky Talk. Our guest this week has been photographing the Iditarod for almost 40 years. He has seen the race change in many ways. He has met and photographed many icons of the Iditarod. Please welcome to the show official photographer of the Iditarod, Jeff Schultz. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the, welcome to the Husky Talk. How are you doing today? I'm having a blast. Holding up. That's good. I'm doing good too. With this being the fiftieth, with this being the fiftieth anniversary of the Iditarod, we are going to st- we are going to start the show off with a little Iditarod trivia. We have five questions for you. Great. Who founded the Iditarod? Joe Reddington Sr. And you could probably consider Dorothy Page. As part of that as well. Who won the first, very first Iditarod? Uh, the thousand mile race for the Iditarod in 1973 was won by Dick Wilmer. Who was the first female Iditarod champion? Lily Riddles, 1985. What was the closest finish? 1978 by Dick Mackey and Rick Swenson by one second. Who was the oldest person to ever finish the Iditarod? I'm pretty sure it was Colonel Norman Bond. You you got five out of five. Not bad. So Jeff, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, sure. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area of California, and when I was in probably the eighth or ninth grade, I read a book about a guy who lived off the land in Alaska and built a log cabin, and that's what I wanted to do because I didn't care for all the people in pavement of California, so I moved to Anchorage, Alaska three months after graduating from high school, and photography was always my passion, so... Photography is what I did, even starting in the seventh grade, and started a little business doing that. And then in 1980, I met Joe Reddington Sr., the father of the Iditarod, and he invited me to come take pictures of the Iditarod, and I've been doing that ever since. And I've been a full-time professional photographer since 1982. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my wife, Joan, and we have two kids, Ben and Hannah. You've been a photographer since you were very young. Tell us what inspired you to get into photography. Uh, what in, well, it was the love of taking pictures is what got me excited about photography. And then I thought, well, how can I make a living doing this? And I thought about being a photographer for National Geographic Magazine. And so I wrote to National Geographic Magazine, and the photo editor wrote me back and said, and go to college and get an education and then keep on taking pictures. So that's what really got me excited. We are asking our guests this season to share stories of the past fifty the past fifty years. You have been the official photographer for the of the Iditarod for about forty years. Can you tell us some, the story of how you started taking pictures for the Iditarod? Yeah, the story for that is, as I alluded to a little bit ago, Joe. when I met Joe Reddington in 1980, 
Um, he wanted to get everybody he could involved with the Iditarod. And so when I first met him, um, I was taking a portrait of him and out of the dog kennel, and he said, Jeff, I've got 300 sled dogs here at my dog day. Now think about that. This one guy owns 300 dogs. But in any case, he said, Jeff, I've got 300 dogs here. Why don't you pick out 20 of them and take a dog team to Nome? Just because he wanted to get everybody involved with the Iditarod. And so I said, well, I can't do that. I don't know anything about uh, winter dog mushing or any of that stuff. And he said, well, then come take pictures for us. And so that invitation that he gave me is what started me. He suggested I go see the manager of the Iditarod, which at the time was Dick Mackey. So I talked to Dick, and he said, well, we really don't need any more people on the trail, but here's a uh, dentist who wants to fly on the Iditarod, so maybe you can... Uh, get with him. So I paid this dentist $500 and he took me halfway along the trail in his small bush plane. And I, when I came back, I donated the pictures to Dorothy Page. And later on, somebody from my digital contacted me and said, Well, if you do that next year, pay for all your film processing and dump the pictures to us. And you can be one of our official photographers, and you can, and we'll pay for your airplane flight along the trail. So that's how I became one of the official Iditarod photographers. What is your favorite thing about this position? Hmm, good question. What's my favorite thing about the position? I guess is that. The freedom that allows me to do pretty much whatever I want, photograph whatever I want on the trail, and go wherever I want. There's no real set parameters that I have to be in certain places at certain times. So that freedom is what I love the most. How do you get su such amazing pictures out on the trail? How do I get amazing pictures? Well, um, first it's by the grace of God, because it's a God-given talent I have that I can compose photos that make us love composing pictures. And then it's just the adventure spirit, I guess, I have, because I don't stick around in the checkpoints. I either borrow or rent a snow machine and get out in the middle of the trail or have my pilot land somewhere between checkpoints and just because I love the adventure of it. I love showing people these small dog team in the big landscape. Do you have any favorite um, mushers to take pictures of? Well, you broke up there for a minute. Can you repeat the question? Do you have any favorite mushers to take pictures of? No, absolutely not. I take a picture any time as long as it's a cool place or in a cool situation. You have probably seen a lot over your years on the trail. I imagine it is difficult to come up with one amazing memory. Can you share with us some of your favorite memories over the 40 years you have been doing this? Well, you're absolutely right. Um, very difficult to come up with a couple, with one or two uh, because there's so many. But some of my greatest memories are being uh, in Rooney Pass, um, stopping the snow machine with my 
guy, the Barry Stanley, and we walked up oh, probably 100 yards or more in deep snow and rock and got above the trail and just waited there for probably an hour for a dog team to come by. And it's not only a great experience, but the photo ended up being really a good one and been published over and over in magazines and stuff. And another good, uh, another crazy, at least, story would be in the early 1980s when I was in Cripple, the uh, checkpoint of Cripple, where there was no room in the wall tent and to sleep. I actually stayed at 30 below. Great story was when I was, uh, or exciting time at least, was when I was uh, photographing out of Unalak Creek on the Bering Sea coast. And I was driving a snow machine, <clears throat> and I was just cruising along all by myself. And then the trail turned from snow into glare ice. And glare ice means it's slicker and snot. And I was going way too fast. And um, I let off on the throttle. The snow machine started gliding, and then it started sliding sideways, and then the snow machine flipped over on top of me and over me. And it was a pretty hairy situation, but I lived through it. So there's a lot of those kind of stories, but those are just three of the ones that come to mind immediately. All right. This year is the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod. You have been around for a lot of them. Talk to us about the changes you have seen throughout through your lens? Well, there's changes through the lens that I've seen, but more important are just the, or, yeah, but more important are just the changes I've seen overall, even without the photography element. And so that would be, um, you know, back in the day in the early 80s when I started, people, the mushers, even the top contending meshers would be sitting around a dining room table just shooting the breeze and talking about the dogs and what the trail was like and what it might be like ahead. And it was just a much more laid-back situation back then. And slowly over the years, it's the trail's gotten faster and faster. The dogs have improved. There's just not as much of that simplicity of of the mushers just hanging out. It's more of a let's go, let's go, let's go kind of thing. I mean, certainly there's still some of that laid-back stuff, but not as much. Uh, so that's one of the biggest changes I've seen. And if you're talking about through the lens, you know, the dogs look pretty much the same as they did back then, just different equipment, different sleds, different harnesses, different gang lines even. But... Uh, Overall, it's still pretty much the same. All right. Do you prefer taking pictures digitally or the old school way? It doesn't matter. I'll take a picture with an iPhone. Or absolutely doesn't matter. As long as I have a camera in my hand, I'm good. Okay. We talked with John Van Zyl last week. We talked a bit about the project you two worked on. Can you talk to us a little bit about the, that project? Absolutely. What would you like to know?
how they how did you guys come up with it so <clears throat> it was originally john's idea he um oh i don't know how long ago but probably 12 or more years ago we saw each other at a junior i did a rock banquet and he said jeff you know um, you're the official photographer, I'm the official artist. We ought to collaborate sometime. I had no idea what he meant, but he's a famous guy, a nice guy. I said, uh, absolutely, I'd love to do that. Well, that never materialized. Um, I never really knew what he wanted or was thought of doing. But in any case, um, four years ago, my son got in a terrible accident with a traumatic brain injury, and John said, Jeff, we ought to try raising some money for your son without doing that collaboration. I said, sure, what do you want? He said, send me a few photographs digitally, and I'll choose one. And he did that. And when he chose one, um, he said, just make the print of it and send it to me. And I really had no idea what he was going to do. but he, So he took this print, an 11 by 14 inch print of mine, and then he painted on top of it. So he added to it. The photo of mine was a picture of a musher, Mitch Seavey, coming up to the summit of Rainy Pass with some nice golden light on the mountains behind. And John, he ended up literally painting on top of it. He painted a cabin um, with some trees and light coming through the cabin and just made such a spectacular image. And then we digitized that and we made metal prints of it and sold it at the fundraiser for my son, and it sold out in just a matter of weeks. So that's how the original plan came about. I mean, John is just an unbelievable, fantastic, uh, creative person. And so with his creativity is how that whole project got started. Our final segment of the show is a segment we are bringing back from our first season. It's called Musher Mount Rushmore. You had to replace the four presidents on Mount Rushmore with the four faces of the Iditarod. Who would they be? You can pick anyone that has anything to do with the Iditarod. Wow, that's a good question. How many faces do I get? Four. Four. That's not very many. Wow. Uh, Joe Reddington Sr. Herbie Nyat Puck. Susan Butcher. Boy, this is tough. And I'll say, wow, how do you do that? Um, I'll say, who's the fourth one? Yeah, I'll say Libby Riddles. Thank you so much for talking to us, and have a good rest of your day on vacation. All right. Well, thanks so very much for having me on the show. Look forward to it. And then I'll just delete this part. Okay. Special thanks to Jeff Schultz for being on our show today. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review. 
Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on our show, please email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If, if we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. In the land of the midnight we would like to also give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, the Iditarod Trail song, and our outro, Brennan Tun Run.